welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Going on in Oklahoma, it's the first trial over opioid abuse. Johnson & Johnson is accused by the state of Oklahoma, and it's seeking at least $10 billion to address its tax outlays. Joining us is Eric Gordon, a professor at the University of Michigan Law School. Eric, Teva settled? Purdue Pharma settled? Why didn't J&J settle? I think uh, J&J thinks they have the strongest case, that the case against them uh, from Oklahoma is certainly a lot weaker than... uh, the uh, you know sort of the real bad guy here, uh, or the you know the putative bad guy Purdue, where there's there's lots of very specific evidence of of marketing practices that uh, you know look pretty bad. Uh, the evidence against Johnson and Johnson doesn't seem to be as extensive or as specific. And also, there, there's a, a, a huge difference in the in the amount of drugs that uh, of these opioids that J and J has sold versus uh, Purdue. So I, I think overall, Johnson and Johnson thinks uh, you know perhaps of the three companies, Teva, Purdue, and Johnson and Johnson, they they have the best chance of winning. Now Oklahoma is relying on one legal theory public nuisance law. Tell us about that theory and the problems Oklahoma may have with it. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, they started off with lots of theories, uh, you know, deceptive trade practices and fraud. And then pretty much at the last minute, they dropped all of them but public nuisances. And and it's a, it's a semi-creative use of public nuisance because the classic idea about public nuisance is things like uh, you know, you're emitting noxious fumes that are affecting the public as a whole. Or, or one of my favorites, since I, I live in a college town, is the house full of college students that put these huge speakers outside and in the middle of the night is boom, boom, boom music and nobody can sleep. Uh, so you get the place closed as, as a public nuisance. The idea that uh, you know, s- uh, supplying these opioids constitutes a public nuisance is pretty creative, um, and uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, it's a it's a not a clear cause of action. It's going to be a tough one, but you know uh, it has worked, June. I mean, they they used it in the big tobacco settlement, which was a huge settlement. They've used it against the gun manufacturers, where it pretty much hasn't worked. So, I, I think uh, it's going to be a test of that 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 approach. Um, North Dakota tried it, and the judge in North Dakota said, nah, this isn't a public nuisance. It might be something else, but it's not a public nuisance. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting case to watch. How much is this case going to be a pattern for the cases that come after it? Yeah, so uh, since it's the first one that's actually going to trial in, in front of a fact finder, it's not going in front of a jury, it's going in front of a judge, um, but uh, it'll be watched very closely. I think if uh, J&J wins, uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure on other plaintiffs to settle. If J&J loses, I don't think it's the end for J&J. Um, I, I think uh, they will continue to defend other cases. Now, in testimony today, there was talk of 
father talking about his son's addiction and his death from opioid abuse, a homegrown football star at the University of Oklahoma. How much does that affect a judge? If this were before a jury, you could say, well, they're appealing, they're trying to appeal to the jury in, you know, a father reaching out to a jury. But when it's a judge, does it make that much difference? You know, it it's, makes less difference than it does in front of a jury. But judges are still people. So the, the, the judges, you know, say they can discount it. And, and I think they can do it a lot better than a jury. Um, but there's an interesting quirk here. Um, in fact, it's in front of a judge because Oklahoma, the plaintiff, said, uh, gee, we changed our mind. First, they demanded a jury trial, which you would expect. You don't try to get that sympathy play that you were talking about. And then they said, well, no, no, we want to switch to a judge. And J&J, &J, the defendant, said, we would like to have a jury. Um, and the judge said, no, and, you know, enough fooling around. This is going to trial and it's going in front of me. So this case is just really unusual. And at the same, just about a minute here, but J&J &J is fighting this, the publicity from this in, in the public, and as well as the many other cases it has over its baby powder. Isn't it, would be time to take a break for J&J &J from the courtroom? You know, at some point, you think that they might settle cases that they think they can win just to end the PR. You know, this, this is a long parade. This is like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It goes, the bad PR goes on and on forever. And at some point, somebody has a business decision is going to say, all right, look, uh, uh, let's treat this like a marketing expense. Let's settle these cases and, and end the PR disaster. And how long is the case expected to go on? You know, I'm not sure, but because it's in front of a judge uh, and, and because they've slimmed it down just to this one claim, I think it'll move a lot more quickly than we had thought it would move. All right. Thank you so much, as always, Eric. That's Eric Gordon of the University of Michigan Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.